Good morning, Chapel Hill. It is great to see all of you. Cindy and I had a chance to sneak away for a couple of weeks down to the desert. We played a lot of golf and we watched the desert as it was in bloom, that one month period. It was just gorgeous. It was also great to be able to stay connected with you online. Thanks to Pastor Ellis for his terrific messages. Thanks to Gunnar for his uh, terrific worship leadership and the rest of his team. What a blessing to be able to stay in touch with my church family even when we are a thousand miles away. But it's good to be back home. Recently my phone stopped talking to me. And that was very disconcerting for me. You know what it's like. You plug in a destination if you want to get somewhere and then you trust it to lead you each turn, each direction, until you arrive at your hoped-for destination. But for some reason, suddenly when we got into the car and turned the car on, the phone went mute. I could see from the screen that it was trying to talk to me, trying to tell me where to go, but isn't the whole point of that to not be looking down at a little screen while you're driving along? And so, it wasn't working. I didn't know exactly where I was going, I didn't know exactly how to get there, and the voice I normally counted on was suddenly had gone silent. Have you ever found yourself in a similar situation in life where you were confused about your path forward, had no idea of the direction you were taking, and no matter how hard you tried to discern God's purpose for you, it just seemed unclear? Well, you're in good company. Because the great Apostle Paul went through exactly this kind of an experience. I suspect more than once, but we have a chance to explore that in our text this morning. Despite Paul's relationship with God, despite his vibrant prayer life, he reached a point in his life where he did not know what the future held for him. And in his case, it was a big deal. This was literally life or death. Was he going to live? Or was he going to die? That's what was at stake for Paul. For those of you who are new, I'm Pastor Mark, and uh, we are on a journey through Paul's letter to his beloved sweetheart Philippian church, which we are calling Joy No Matter What. Philippi was the first church that Paul planted in Europe, and, um, and he is really sending them a thank you note for support that they have provided him during a very difficult situation. And that difficult situation actually is death row. Paul is in prison in Rome awaiting a trial, perhaps awaiting his own execution, his own uh, appointment with the, the swordsman. And, and it's, it's not hard to imagine he was a little bit stressed out about his future. So how is it possible that a letter written under those circumstances, a letter written from death row, can be so filled with joy. And yet that is one of the key themes of the book of Philippians. Joy no matter what. Sixteen times some form of that word appears in the pages of this three-page letter. Sixteen times. Paul wants to teach us how to live a life of resilient joy no matter what. Joy again and again. Rejoy. Rejoicing again and again no matter what. And even if you aren't certain about your future, even when you find yourself flip-flopping back and forth between one path or another, I want you to listen to these verses and be encouraged as we watch Paul himself struggling with the future that lay ahead, all right? You see if you don't hear a little bit of flip 
flip-flopping on the part of the great apostle Paul. Returning to Philippians chapter 1, beginning with the last little bit of verse 18 and following. And I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. This is the word of the Lord. You hear what I was talking about? There's a lot of flip-flopping going on there. He's just not sure, is he? A few years ago, our family took a really memorable vacation together. We had a chance to ply the waters of southeast Alaska in someone's boat, and we shrimped, and we crabbed, and we fished. And uh, we haven't done a lot of that as a family, but man, that was fun. And of course, as all of you know, who have done a little fishing, if you pull in a big salmon, or you pull in a big halibut, there, that sucker is going to be flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flopping on the deck of that boat until you, um, well, until you dispatch it with the, the billy club that the, that the captain provides. If you listen carefully to the text that I just read to you, you might have gotten a sense that Paul himself is doing a little bit of that. Flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flopping. Because he is just not sure what his future holds. Will he be released from prison? Will he be executed in prison? Which is it? And it becomes very clear that it's not very clear, at least not to Paul. Take a look again at some of these verses. Verse 19, Paul says, I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That sounds pretty confident. I know that it will turn out for my deliverance. He's going to be released, right? Until you read the very next words. As it is my eager expectation and hope that now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You say, wait a second, Paul. Didn't you just say that you knew you were going to be delivered, that you were confident of your deliverance? So what's this life and death stuff? Sounds like you're flip-flopping. And then it continues in verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. You hear it? He's stuck. A few years ago, Cindy and I, uh, for our 25th anniversary, we went to Paris, the city of lights, the city of love. When we got on the subway from the airport, we were crushed in that subway car. In fact, we were so crushed that one guy was able to sneak up and put his hand inside of my jacket and try to pickpocket me. Welcome to France. That's the idea behind the phrase that Paul uses here. He says, 
We, I was hard pressed between the two. What it means literally is I was stuck between forces on either side. I could not move. I didn't know whether to go here or go here. I was just stuck. Have you ever felt that way in your life? I know you have. We all have seasons in our life when we just feel stuck. No matter how hard we pray, no matter how much we read the Bible, no matter how much we listen to God's Word or, or listen through the counsel of friends, you still just don't feel like you can move forward. And I think that's what Paul was describing here for us. He continues, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more important on your account. And then it sinks in. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's stuck between. Life and death, literally. And you know, you might understand how he might be longing to be set free from this life. Because it has been a hard life for Paul. For these years of ministry, how many times has he been arrested and tortured and beaten and stoned and flogged and, and beaten with rods? He's had enough for Paul... As he's sitting in prison yet one more time awaiting the executioner's sword, that sword might have seemed like a blessed relief, a release from the struggles, the miseries that this world had provided. And if you've ever watched a loved one who was cancer riddled, you would understand something of that feeling of the desire to be released, to be able to be set free from this life. And yet, Paul says, but I still got work to do. I've still got fruit to harvest for the kingdom. And you Philippians aren't ready to strike out on your own. And so Paul ends up saying, I know I will remain and continue with you all. And you say, sheesh, Paul, which is it? Which is it? Live or die? Stay or go? Flip or flop? Which is it? Do you find it at all encouraging to realize that the great apostle Paul was stuck in this moment in his life? He, he just didn't know what path God wanted him to take. Have you ever been there? In a similar place where you felt hard-pressed between the two, you can't decide what is the fork of, in the road that the Lord is calling me to take? Do you pursue this relationship or do you break it up? Do you go to this university or that university? Do you stay in the security of the job you've got or do you strike out on your own? Or do you retire? Do you go aggressive in your fight against cancer? Or do you choose hospice? What do you do when, like Paul, you are hard-pressed about your future? You are stuck. How do you live when you cannot hear God's voice clearly? How do you endure a season like this when you are confused about your future? Well, Paul's secret comes in a gem of a verse. Verse 21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. There are so many verses in Philippians that deserve to be memorized. That's one of them. Let's say it together. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Say it as if you actually believe it. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In other words, Paul is saying, it doesn't matter what fork I take. It doesn't matter what 
path I walk. It, it doesn't matter where I go because I know that I do not walk that path by myself. I know that Christ will be with me either way and that is the most important thing. This is the ultimate win-win. It's the ultimate win-win as believers in Christ. Not the pressure, the burden of making sure that you make every right choice, but rather the confidence that comes when knowing that we are with Christ no matter which turn we take. To live is Christ and to die is gain. The win-win situation. You know, I would say that my, one of my most significant win-win moments was actually when I was introduced to you, my sweetheart church, like 35 years ago, um, to your parents and your Christian God grandparents, actually, way back then. I was in Scotland at the time, back in 1984. I was halfway through my studies uh, for my PhD, but this little church called Chapel Hill, in a town that I'd never even heard of, wanted to talk to me about being the senior pastor of that church. Now, they were looking for some guy that was in his 50s that had a family and 10 years of experience. I was 29, single, no experience. Perfect fit. It was a perfect fit. Made in heaven, I'm sure. And yet they still, for some inexplicable reason, they still wanted to talk to me. And so I agreed to, reluctantly. And it was the easiest interview I ever had because I didn't want the job. I wanted to go back to Scotland. I wanted to finish my PhD and play more golf. But the more I talked with your spiritual grandparents and the more I saw of Gig Harbor, I realized I could love it here too. And so it was the ultimate win-win. I was so relaxed. If they didn't want to hire me, I get to go back to Scotland, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. If they, incredibly, if they decided to hire me, then I had a job that was waiting for me. Either way, I was good to go. Win, win. Because I knew I was walking in the Lord's purpose for my life. And either path would be great. I think that's what Paul is saying here. To live as Christ, to die as gain. It's a win, win. Let's think about those words, to live is Christ. I'm sure if you've gone to Sunday school, if you've been a part of the church at all, you've heard that expression. To live is Christ. But this week I spent a lot of time meditating on that little four-word phrase. What does it mean to say to live is Christ? For to me, to live is Christ. And I think one way to look at it might be this. It is a definition of, say, of faith. It is real saving faith. We have faith that our entire life up until this point has been in the hands of Christ. We have faith that our entire present is in the hands of Christ. We have faith that no matter where we go into our future, we will be in the loving hands of Jesus. It means that we'll be able to say with all of our hearts that our faith in Jesus Christ is, is not just a peripheral, peripheral of our life. It's not an ancillary of our life. It is the center of our life. It is the reason for our life. It is the source of our life. It is the power of our life. It is the destination of our life. That's what it means to say to live is Christ. And yet I can think of people who would call themselves Christians who could not honestly make this declaration. 
For to me, to live is Christ. Perhaps some even in this church family. Because the truth is, Jesus is not the center of your life. You really don't believe that. Jesus is tucked away in a religious corner of your life. Jesus is tucked away in the religious niche of your life. Jesus is tucked away in the one-hour nod to God that you do on Sunday mornings. But if you were really honest, you would say, for me to live is me. For me to live is self. And that, if that is you, if your life is not lived as a a response of gratitude to God for all that He has done for you, well then, rather, your life is going to be an endless self-promotion. It's all about self. What do I need? What matters to me? What will make me happy? What do I want? And the irony of it is, if you, never, you will never find happiness when you are the center of your own universe. We think we will. It's what the world tells us. You will never find happiness if you are the center of your own universe. It is only when we discover that our life, past and present and future, is grounded in and founded upon Jesus Christ. That's when we are able to make the most out of this gift that we call life. Life in Christ. To live, Paul says, is Christ. That was one fork in his road. Here's the other possibility. Death. To die is gain. To live is Christ, or to die is gain. We Christians talk a lot about going to heaven when we die. But the fact is, most of us don't live as if we believe that that will actually be a good thing. At the height of the pandemic, when Everyone, including believers, were kind of freaking out. I remember my wife saying very poignantly to me, most Christians act like they don't really believe what they say they believe about heaven. Think about it. Most Christians act like they don't really believe what they say they believe about heaven. For goodness sake, as people of the empty tomb, our unquenchable hope ought to be that whatever this life brings, however long this life might last, it is but a vapor. One day God will call all of his children to himself, and we will be with Jesus in a glorious place forever. That is a very good thing. As good as life on this earth might be, it is nothing, nothing Nothing compared to the goodness of eternity spent in the presence of our Savior. To die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. It's a win-win. Now let me say this. I don't know that, I don't think Paul's words here are necessarily prescriptive. I think they're descriptive, descriptive of where he was in that moment. Because I suspect most of us are feeling like we still got some living to do. Most of us, I, I don't want us to feel guilty because we aren't quite ready to say, I'm ready to go and be with the Lord. One minister was preaching on heaven one Sunday morning and he said, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven. And everybody's hand went up in the crowd, except for one guy. The minister noticed this and so he pumped it up a little bit. He said, I want you to shout amen if you want to go to heaven. And everyone shouted amen. 
except for this one guy. And the preacher was frustrated and he pointed at the man and he said, do you want to go to hell? And he said, no, I, I, want to, I plan on going to heaven when I die. I thought you were getting up a group to go right now. <laughs> Most of us probably feel as if we have some unfinished business in this life. And that's okay. That is normal. But Paul's point is, whether in this life or the next, if we belong to Jesus, all is good. All is good. In fact, that is exactly what he wrote to the Romans when he said, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Only the believer in Jesus can say that with confidence. It's a win-win. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That's what Paul is saying. For me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I'm not sure what the Lord might have for me. I might be delivered from prison. I might not. I might be executed. I might live. But if Jesus is with me, I am not stuck at all. I'm right where I need to be. Right where God intends for me to be. It's a win-win. To live is Christ. Everything you have, everything you are, your past, your present, your future, your purpose, your destiny, all of it is centered in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? And to die is gain. If COVID takes me, if cancer takes me, if old age takes me, if an accident takes me, I will be with Jesus forever. And that is even better. Do you believe that? If you do, then it is the ultimate win-win. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Lord Jesus, we, we bow before the power of this assertion. For we live in a world that doesn't believe that at all. We live in a world that believes that you better live well now for the end is the end. But Christ, your life, your death, your resurrection proves something very different. That this is but the doorway, just the beginning of eternal life with you. Help us to believe that, Lord. For those of us who have you tucked away into the corner of our life, the religious corner of our life, would you... Would you bring yourself more to the center of who we are? Would you help us to begin to rethink our priorities, our perspective on life? Would you help us to be able to declare in all honesty, in all candor, for me to live as Christ, my past, my present, my future. It is all about Jesus. Which means that no matter what path I choose, it's okay. And Lord, for, for those of us who are fearful of what comes after this life, who are frightened of the prospect of breathing our last and closing our eyes one final time on this earth. Help us to believe what Paul taught. Help us to believe that to die as a believer in Jesus is gain because we come into the presence, the eternal, perfect presence of our Master 
our Savior, our Lord. For those of us, God, who are in a time of being stuck, would you help us to relax and to be able to declare with all of our hearts, it's okay, because to live is Christ, to die is gain, and everything in between, it's a win-win. Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Our worship services are Sundays at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. We'd love to meet you. To learn more about Chapel Hill and find out about upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.